The Holy Gospel according to Luke in the 10th chapter. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and his people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm following in Pastor Molly's lead this morning, and I'm opening with a question. I don't expect you to answer it, but it's one that I have been thinking about this week. Which was the greater gift Jesus bestowed on the disciples? The power to heal and cast out demons? Or the power to work together and rely on the hospitality of others? When we read passages like this one from Luke, our attention immediately is drawn to those things that are beyond our own immediate experience, the healings, the casting out of demons. Or maybe you're drawn and caught by Jesus' promise to the disciples that they will be able to tread on scorpions and snakes. That's likely a symbolic imagery for overcoming evil, but still, it's pretty powerful. Or maybe the language of the book of heaven is what gets us to sit up and to pay attention. It's really hard to read about the disciples receiving such powers and to not be drawn into such an amazing thing. Yet when I read this passage and read it this week, two things stuck out to me. First, the disciples go out in teams, in pairs. 
And by the way, these are not just pairs of men, y'all. This is a group of women and men. We hear this in Luke chapter 8, that women are a big part of this too. But the first piece that stuck out to me is that they go out in teams and pairs. And secondly, they're instructed to take nothing with them and to rely entirely upon the hospitality and the generosity of others. Now, the team part makes sense. Jesus is sending them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, and he anticipates a little bit of resistance. There's little wonder. He said from the outset that he'd come to set those society-deemed criminals free, to heal those who had been cast aside, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in an empire that worshipped Caesar as Lord, not God. Jesus knows that plenty of folks will resist this message, whether from fear or disbelief or self-interest. When the powers of the world are challenged, all kinds of things get upset. And so Jesus sends them out in pairs. So when one falters, the other can help. When one gets angry, the other can hold calm. When one is lost, the other can seek the way. When one is discouraged, the other can hold faith for both for a while. Support and accountability. That's what the community of believers does. We hold on to each other, console each other, encourage and embolden each other, and even believe for each other. But we often forget that. Because we live in a culture that insists that it's all up to us as individuals, that you only go around once, that there's not enough for everyone. We've been taught to look out for number one, and that the one who dies with the most toys wins. Jesus' reminder that we find success only with and for each other is a timely gift to his disciples back then and also for us today. Now, he also commands them that they not take anything with them. This means that the disciples, 70 plus of them, far more than we usually think about with the 12 must depend on the generosity of others for their meals, for a place to stay, for everything. And most of us find dependence like that uncomfortable. We like being independent, strong, competent. Dependence makes us feel like we're not prepared, maybe even a little unsafe, Definitely vulnerable. I wonder, and I wonder if that isn't Jesus' point. That we are vulnerable. We forget this too, going to great lengths to manufacture and perpetuate illusions of control and dependence and invulnerability. We craft the finest shields and we put on faces, but any illness, any loss, any death or disappointment or tragedy... Remind us painfully of just how incredibly vulnerable we actually are. And so Jesus sends his disciples out in pairs and instructs them to rely entirely upon the hospitality of others. Why? Well, because this is how and who we are. It's our natural state of being. We're stronger when we stay together and our welfare is inextricably linked to that of each other. No man, John Donne wrote, is an island. The loss of any, he went on to say, diminishes each. 
This is the 4th of July weekend. And in the United States, we sometimes see this day as a tribute not just to our independence from Great Britain, but also to the spirit of American individualism and exceptionalism. Yet the individualism we celebrate is as much a myth of the culture as is our invulnerability, and so is exceptionalism. The colonists who came to this land depended on the indigenous communities and on each other for survival. They couldn't and didn't do it alone. The colonies they eventually established were and are, some of them still called commonwealths, places where the good of any individual was inextricably linked to the good of the whole. And as Benjamin Franklin said at the signing of the Declaration of Independence, we must hang together or assuredly we will all hang separately. All of which is why I believe that of all the gifts Jesus gives his disciples, the greater may just be that of teamwork and trusting obedience. Because when we work together, when we recall that God said it's not good for us to be alone, when we see our hope and welfare are inextricably linked to those around us, then we not only can accomplish so much more than we possibly could alone, but we also discover as the disciples did, that our names are written in the book of heaven. And in the life of the church, that is what we strive to do too. And sometimes we're pretty good at it, and sometimes we're not. I can think of some examples of where we're good at it, especially I think of the partnerships, the relationships built between Colombia and Tanzania, learning and growing alongside one another. I think of our volunteer social workers, but the generosity of our entire congregation and community in supporting over 300 individuals and families with our community assistance fund every year. I think of getting to know families from Vietnam and now from Honduras as they seek refuge and asylum. I think of making quilts, community meals, Bible study, gathering and fellowship. We are the church together. And in fact, the whole existence of this congregation, of this building, relied upon and still relies upon the support of many, not just one. Yes, sometimes things are done alone. Sure, sometimes they have to be to get done, right? At least we tell ourselves that. But what if everything were really done together? What would it look like? And even more so, I wonder, what is Jesus calling us to go out together to do? Where is he calling us in our community? Maybe it's a project that we've been doing together for years now, or maybe it's something new. And as we pause this Independence Day weekend, I encourage you to think about the things you and we have done together. And I also encourage you to listen for what we are called to next. Because I think this passage is about who we are as an entire church family. It's not just about one of us, or even two. The work of the church is done in community, whether it be small groups, pairs, 70 or 100 or more. We are a team who can and do rely on one another. Dunn's poem has more lines than what I shared earlier, so let me share more with you. No man is an island, 
entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were, any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Friends, let us not be diminished. Let us be vulnerable. Let us work for, as Paul says in Galatians, for the good of all. Let us be the church together. Amen.